Romans chapter 10 verses 6 to 8 Paul says this he says but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way this is how it speaks do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach Paul in his epistle to the Romans as you would recall in chapter 4 he talks about faith he talks about Abraham the father of faith chapter 5 he talks about how righteousness is given to us because of faith and then he continues several other things in chapter 6 he talks about overcoming sin chapter 7 our victory over sin chapter 8 our walk in the spirit chapter 9 he talks about you know his heart for Jerusalem and now in chapter 10 he's continuing his thought on faith and righteousness and he says this he says the righteousness that comes of faith speaks like this So when he says righteousness speaks like this, it doesn't mean, you know, righteousness is a being and speaks on its own. No. He's talking about you and me. We are the people who have received righteousness by faith. Is that right? So when he says righteousness that is of faith speaks like this, he's saying you and I, the people who have received righteousness, the free gift of righteousness by faith, this is how we speak. This is our manner of conversation. This is how we speak. And first he tells us how we do not speak. He says, we do not say, you know, oh man, God, Jesus is up in heaven, no airtel connection. You know, how am I going to reach Jesus? Who's going to bring him from heaven into my circumstance, into my situation? And we do not speak saying, you know, Jesus died. I'm not even sure if he rose up from the dead. My God is dead. We don't speak like that. We don't speak hopelessness. We don't speak saying God is so far away. He can't step into my world. Or God is so dead. He can't do anything for me. We don't speak like that. But how do we speak? Verse 8. says this is what we speak. The word. Everybody say the word. What do we speak? The word. The word is near you. In your heart. And in your mouth. What word? It's the word of faith. So what do we speak? We people who have received righteousness by faith. How do we speak? We don't speak hopelessness. We don't say, you know, Jesus is up in heaven so far away. He can't do anything for me. We don't say Jesus is dead. He can't help me. No, we speak the word. The word of faith. That word is in our heart for us to believe it. It's in our mouth for us to speak it. That's how we speak. Amen. Now, you know, the thing that we all struggle with is the reality of what we are facing and what faith says we can have. For example, in, a, in reality, yes, there are mountains in our way. There are valleys. There are challenges. There are closed doors. There are obstacles. There are difficulties. All of that. And we, we don't deny reality. We, we say, yeah, it is there. You know, that's the problem I'm going through. I'm facing a challenge. I'm, there's a mountain. There's a difficulty. Yeah, we acknowledge that. But that's not our final statement. That's not our statement of faith. Our statement of faith is always what the word says. His word says that every mountain will be made low. His word says that he will make a way when there seems to be no way. That God will go before me. He will open before me the double doors and those doors will not be shut. His word says that my God will supply all my need. So that word is in my mouth. It's that word of faith that I'm supposed to speak. Amen. 
So we don't speak hopelessness. We speak words of faith. That's the way people who have received righteousness of faith. That's the way they speak. So let's stand up this morning as we make our declaration. We are training ourselves to speak the way God wants us to speak. We who have received righteousness of faith. This is how we speak. Lift your Bibles up and say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word and I live by his word. Christ is my master and to him I am an absolute surrender in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last Sunday we talked about the maturing church and we had a quick glimpse of history. Just looking at the history of the church from the perspective of church restoration and reformation. And then we came into the present what God is doing here on earth. We said that there are seven major things, seven major moves of God in the church today. We talked about the prophetic. Second, the apostolic ministry being restored. Third, the supernatural being released through every believer. Fourth, we talked about the 24-7 prayer that's happening all around the world. That communities of believers are giving themselves to praying 24 hours, seven days a week. And uh, it's really nothing new because that was the order that God had set in the book of Leviticus he said you know the fire in the temple must not go out it must always be there and that's the kind of order David instituted which Solomon continued when the temple was built where there was priests and Levites who were dedicated to worshipping God 24-7 you know regaining what God desired which he expressed to his people then we talked about the, the seven mountain assignment where God spoke in 1975 to both Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham about Believers of God's people affecting the culture and seven spheres of influence. We talked about the number six about believers responding to problems in society. That God today is moving His body to answer the problems of society and whatever you know all the different kinds of issues that we have in society. The church is rising up to bring God's answer to those situations. And number seven, we talked about new forms of ministry and worship that are relevant. This morning, I want us to go a little deeper in the first part of that, which is. Becoming a prophetic church. I want to just give an overview of that. And just kind of inspire us to press in to being a prophetic church. And and becoming a prophetic church. Now what is the prophetic? When you say prophetic, what does it mean? What is prophecy? Prophecy is simply God is speaking to man through man. Very simple. Amen. It's just God speaking to man through man. In the now. And so to be prophetic simply means to be somebody or to be people who know how to hear what God is saying in the now. That's all. To be prophetic simply means to be able to hear what God is saying in the now, right now. And to be able to do what God is saying. So we have the written scriptures. This is our final authority. This is God's word. This is what we live by. This is the gold standard. This is our final authority. But we also need to hear what God is saying to us in the now. Because this, in this Bible, you don't find, you know, uh, what must be your job? Where must you live? You know, all these decisions that you and I need to make. You don't find it in the Bible. But God is interested in those things. And therefore, he does speak. And that's what it is to be prophetic. To hear what God is saying to you in the now. Or to be able to speak to somebody what God is telling them in the now. Amen? 
Now let's look at some scriptures here. Let's go with me please to Amos chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Just to understand a little bit about the nature of God. Amos chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lioness wrote, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? So this reveals something to us about God. It says God will not do anything until he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Yeah, this is God. This is the way he likes to do things. He likes to give you advance warning, advance notice. Now it doesn't mean he reveals everything to one prophet. No, it means that in whatever area, in whatever church, whatever body, or whatever place that he's about to do something, he will speak to somebody there who's able to hear his voice. And he'll reveal it to them. Amen. This is God. This is the way he likes to do. This is the way he works. He says, God won't do anything unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And you know, when God speaks, it's like the lion roaring. He says in verse 8, you know, the lion has roared, who can but fear? I mean, listen, just imagine you're out there in jungle resort, Mudumalai, wherever you are, you're gone for a holiday. <laughs> I'm sure you, this will not happen. This is what pretend it happens. You know, there's, there's some lion roars in the jungle. You're not going to be there saying, wow, what a nice, cool voice. <laughs> I mean, it's going to send little shivers through your body, you know. It's like, whoa, I wonder how far this lion is, you know. And he says, that's how it is when God speaks. When God speaks, who can but prophesy? I mean, you're not going to sit down and say, wow, that was a very nice voice, Lord. <laughs> no, when God speaks, it's like the lion roaring. It's going to cause you to want to release that word to whoever it was directed to. But here's the thing. That our God is a God who speaks. Amen. Now you might say, I'm not a prophet, so I don't qualify for Amos 3 and verse 7. Are you a believer? Yes. Now you qualify for Psalm 25 verse 14 saying, It says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Do you fear God? Then this is just, you know, this is what God wants to do for you. He says, The secret of the Lord. Is with those who fear him. God wants to reveal his secrets to you. Amen. You're not excited about it. God wants to speak. He wants to reveal things which he knows. Which you don't know. Which he knows. Which I don't know. God wants to speak those things. The secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. He wants to reveal the secrets to you. To you and me. Amen. And Jesus put it like this in John chapter 10 verse 27. You and I are ready familiar with that in John 10 and verse 27 Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me my sheep hear my voice that means he's speaking today he wants you to hear his voice and you need to hear his voice if you want to follow him follow the shepherd amen it's not like wow 20 years ago Jesus spoke what did he say nobody knows (laughs) it's not like that My sheep, hear my voice. He's speaking every day. Today, he's speaking things for you and me. My sheep, hear my voice. And that's how we're able to follow our shepherd. So to be prophetic simply means to be able to hear what he is saying to you in the now. Or what he wants to say through you in the now. That's all. It's nothing very complicated. Amen. Now, the the question is this. Can every believer, is the prophetic for every believer? Is the prophetic for every believer? believer. Now let's begin with this. Can every believer win souls? Yes or no? Or only the evangelists? Are you sure? 
Can every believer win souls? Okay. Can every believer teach the word? Or is it only for the teacher? I mean, you've learned something, you can definitely share it with somebody else. You're, you're teaching the word. Can every believer take care of other believers? Or is that only for the pastor? Of course. You find another brother, another sister who needs help, encouragement. You take care of them. You pray with them. You support them. Uh, you encourage them. So every believer can do the work of an evangelist. Every believer can be evangelistic, so to speak. Every believer can be a teacher of the word. Every believer can be pastoral, so to speak, care for other believers. Therefore, every believer can be prophetic. Amen? I'm not saying every believer is a prophet. I said every believer can be prophetic. Now, can you train people to win souls, to be evangelistic? Can you train people to do that? You know, you give them, you know, four spiritual laws. Law one, law two, law three, law four. So every person you find, talk to them. Law one, law two, law three, law four. Going to hell, repent now, Jesus died. (laughs) We can train people to win souls. Can we train people to teach the word? That's why we send them off to cemetery and hope they come back alive. Sorry, to the seminary. Hope they can come back and teach the word. Of course, you can train people to teach the word. Can you train people to care for other believers? Of course you can. So can you train people to be prophetic? So you can. Amen? Because if you accept the others, you have to accept this. You can train people how to hear the voice of God. This is how God speaks. So this is how you can recognize the voice of God. And this is the rec- voice of your own mind or your own reasoning and this is the voice of other other things and how you reject that and and tune into the voice of God that you can train people to be prophetic now the bible in the bible you see a progression of the prophetic you see the simple gift of prophecy that's you know i'm just going to go a little fast here just give you a quick overview in first corinthians the 12th chapter verses 7 through 11 you have uh, the nine gifts of the spirit now every believer can manifest all nine of the gifts of the spirit because the believer doesn't own the gifts. The gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And when, the, when you're baptized and the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then he brings with him all of these nine gifts and these gifts can operate through your life. One of them is the gift of prophecy. And every believer can prophesy. So, well, how can you say that? I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit distributes to each one as he wills. Yes, the Holy Spirit wills. And he will distribute through every believer each one of those nine gifts depending on where you, what situation you're in. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, Covet earnestly the best gifts. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Desire the best gifts. tells you. Desire the gifts, the best gifts. What is the best gift? The best gift is the gift that's appropriate for that situation. Right? If somebody is sick, they don't need the gift of prophecy. Because after a hundred prophecies, they're going to say, God, when can I exchange these 100 prophecies for one healing that I need? So somebody's sick, prophecy doesn't help them. They need healing. If somebody's in good health, then at that moment, the best gift is not the gift of healing. If they are discouraged, but they're in good health, at that moment, the best gift is the gift of prophecy. They need a word of encouragement to build them up in that situation. So the best gift is the gift that's appropriate for the moment. What is that need? What are you trying to address? And the Bible tells all believers, desire earnestly the best gifts. Tells you, tells me, desire the best gift. So in your situation, say, God, give me, I desire this gift here. So in some situations, you might desire the gift of prophecy. In other situations, the gifts of healings, the workings of miracles, whatever. If there are nine gifts, you just desire one of them. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, Pursue love 
How many believers are supposed to walk in love? Let me see. 60%. How many believers are supposed to walk in love? The Bible says 1 Corinthians 14.1 Walk in love or pursue love. How many believers are called to walk in love? All. So if the first part of the verse is for all, then I think the rest of the verse is also for all. The rest of the verse says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So if all believers are called to pursue love, all believers are called to desire spiritual gifts. It didn't say spiritual gift. It says spiritual gifts, plural. Meaning, you desire all the gifts. Amen? And the same chapter in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul repeats over and over again. He says, you know, you may all prophesy. So the simple gift of prophecy, if you go back, uh, the simple gift of prophecy is for every believer. Everybody can be trained to speak and release this gift of prophecy, which is simply speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. That's the simple gift of prophecy. But then as believers learn to flow in the gift of prophecy, they can progress. And all believers can progress to becoming prophesying believers. In, in Romans 12, verses 5 through 7, you have the the believer's gifts, the gifts of the believers. He says, you know, to all of us, there are the different gifts according given a grace that is given to us. These are gifts that are connected to your function in the body of Christ. And you can connect the prophetic into your function. You may be a leader. You blend the prophetic into your leadership. So you become a prophetic leader. You may be a businessman, finance. That may be a function of the body of Christ. You, you connect the prophetic in. And you do, your, you do whatever you're doing. But you bring the prophetic in. You may be a worship leader in the body of Christ. You allow the prophetic to flow into that function. Whatever you're doing. You may be showing mercy. Like it lists in Romans 12. Showing mercy, compassion. You connect the prophetic to the mercy ministry. Whatever your function, your ministry function is in the body of Christ. You can connect the prophetic into it. Are you clear with me? That's the prophesying believer. They've learned to bring in the prophetic element into whatever the role and function is in the body of Christ. And then every believer, if they want, if they choose to pursue, you can pursue in to have a prophetic ministry, meaning you minister, you serve people with this gift of prophets, the prophetic that's flowing through your life. Every believer can move into it if you choose to. Amen? Then the fourth progression is the prophetic office. If you can look, go back to the diagram, please. The prophetic office in that one is only for some. That is people who are appointed by Christ. Ephesians 4, 4, 11, it says, To some he is given to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. So some people are appointed in the prophetic office. In the prophetic office, in addition to manifesting prophetic ministry, you also have governmental responsibility and other things that, that are required of those who are in the prophetic office, which is different from somebody who is manifesting prophetic ministry. But the point I want to get across is this, that all believers can be trained in the prophetic and if they choose to, can manifest a simple gift of prophecy, move on into being prophesying believers and manifest prophetic ministry if you're willing to press in for it. All believers can. Amen? Don't seem happy about it. Amen? So to answer the question, is the prophetic for all believers? The answer is yes. All of us can be trained and released into the prophetic and, and move in as far as we desire to go to manifest prophetic ministry. Now, Let's talk a little bit about the prophetic and life and ministry. I mean, what does this all mean? How is it going to affect my life? How could my life be different if I learn to hear the voice of God and learn to hear what God is saying to me in the now? One, the prophetic word. The prophetic word can be such a powerful thing in your life for you or to bless somebody else. And there's just so many real life testimonies of how the prophetic word has made uh, such uh, an impact. You know, 
We must understand the power of the prophetic word. God spoke to Jeremiah, and I'm just quoting this scripture here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. God speaks to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, do not say that I am just a child. Behold, you know, I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. He says, I have put my word in your mouth, and you will root out, you will pull up, and you will pluck down. You will build and plant. So here was Jeremiah, he was a nobody. He was not, you know, a big governor, a ruler, or any powerful man. He was just an ordinary man. But God is saying, Jeremiah, I'm giving you authority over kingdoms and over nations. And you're going to have effect upon nations and kingdoms. How is that going to be? Not because you're going to come into some political power, but I'm going to put my word, my prophetic word in your mouth. Then you speak my word. That word that you speak will begin to tear down pull down and, and pluck out things in this nation, in these kingdoms, and it will build and it will plant, establish. That's the power of the prophetic word. Amen? And God wants to release those kinds of prophetic words through you and me to affect this world. The prophetic word can be so powerful to bless you or to bless somebody else. You can lead people to faith in Christ through the prophetic word. First Corinthians 14 talks about this. He says, if somebody who is unlearned and ignorant, he comes into the church and you're all prophesying, then the secrets of his hearts are exposed. And he falls on his feet and says, truly God is among you. He, you can lead people to Christ through the prophetic. Amen. That's a true seeker sensitive service. When seekers come in and you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you lead people. To Jesus Christ. Through the prophetic. And there are so many testimonies of, um, of how the prophetic word affects people. You know, this morning I preached in South Church. And one man, one of the men there stood up to testify. You know, about some several weeks ago, I shared a dream in all these three churches for people. About, you know, how there was this misrepresentation and business happening in that dream. And, and God was warning people not to get into it. So one of the men over there in the South Church, you know, God really spoke to him through that dream. And he was about to do a business transaction, but he stopped. Because that Sunday morning, he heard the dream. Amen. And he said, God, I'm going to choose to honor you. You have spoken, choose to honor you. And uh, this morning, he stood up and he testified. Business was going bad. He was about to make certain decisions like this, which, you know, which involved some not so nice uh, misrepresentation, not so nice things here. But that Sunday morning, the word came. He said, God, even though things are bad, I'm going to obey the word. This happened. Uh, things were bad in business December. He heard the word January. But since that time, his obedience to that dream, that word that came through a dream, he said, since that time, there's more work coming into his business than he can imagine. Amen. So it made a difference for him. And I don't know who, who, how many other people who have heard that dream, who obeyed that dream, they're seeing a result in their lives. So many things can happen because of the prophetic word. In your life, God speaks. You act on it. Things happen. I remember last year during, and there are so many testimonies, I'm just picking out a few here. Last year during our outpouring meetings, of course we're meeting in two places. We're meeting in the South Church and we're also meeting up in the, in the Bible College. One of those evenings, you know, uh, right after worship, we came we during prayer time. And I just said some, something like this. I said, you know, there's a person here. You've just, in this last day or so, you've just had, you're, talk, you're about to enter into a business transaction. You've come here, but God is saying, do not do it. Do not get in. And interestingly, that same, that evening, one of our men, he just come, he came late. He missed the whole worship part. He just happened to come in a few minutes before that word was spoken. He had just come from a meeting, meeting with some of his friends. We were talking about, you know, some business transaction he wanted to do. He had just come in and the word had come straight saying, don't do it. 
Now he obeyed that word and later on he testified that, you know, he saved 50,000 rupees. Others would have gotten into that transaction and lost, probably lost that money. But he heard that word and it saved that money. Now it may not be big for some, it may be big for some, I don't know. But for him, it was God speaking. Amen. There's just so many things that, that the prophetic word can make such an impact on people's lives. Now, many of you may have heard the story of Angus Buchan. Uh, he was a farmer in South Africa. And the movie has come out, it's a faith like potatoes. And he was a farmer in South Africa and doing work over there. He came to the Lord while he was a farmer there. And he started reading his Bible, seeking God, listening to God. And, and it, you know, there came a time when there was a big drought in that area. All the crops were failing. Farmers were giving up hope. And God spoke to me, said, you know, go and rent a big stadium, get people together for prayer. And, you know, about 30,000 people came together for prayer in that big stadium. And there's a need, people come for prayer. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. People pray. Now, during that time, while we were speaking to this crowd, a word came saying, God is telling us we must plant potatoes. He's prophesying to this crowd. God is telling us we must plant. Now, all the people saying, you know, it's crazy enough. He's getting us to come together for prayer. Now, he's telling us we're supposed to plant potatoes. In a time of drought, there's no rain. The, the, the ground is so dry. Everybody hears says, okay, good luck, Angus, you know. So, Angus goes, he... He believes the word. One man believes the word. God said, plant potatoes. So he goes, he arranges to get these uh, potato seedlings or whatever they are. And here in the dry ground, he gets some of his African workers. They plant potatoes in dry ground in the middle of drought because God had spoken, plant potatoes. Everybody else saying, Angus has gone out of his mind. Something is wrong with this, this farmer. He's gone crazy. But Angus believes the prophetic word. Plant potatoes. I don't know how many months, but over the time was, it was still drought. The time came to, you know, to dig up and see what's happened with those potatoes. And what a powerful sound. This is a true story, not from Hollywood, all right? When the time came to pull out those potatoes, Angus and his workers go to the ground, they dig, and they get huge potatoes. And he's the only farmer Who's had a harvest at that time. And people come to see what God has done. Amen. You know, how did it happen? God did it. But somebody had to hear and obey. For that miracle to take place. Amen. The prophetic word can be so powerful. If you and I can learn to listen to God. Whether it's in your work, your school, your college. Whatever area you are doing. You hear from God. It can make such a big difference. Then there is prophetic intercession. You know, we all like to pray. We like to pray according to lists. You know, God bless Johnny. He's going for his Hindi exam tomorrow. Fourth attempt. You know. <laughs> and you know, and we like to pray according to prayer lists. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong in making your prayer lists and praying through. Perfectly fine. You, it's good. But there's another dimension of prayer, which is called prophetic intercession, where you pray according to what God reveals to you. God is interested in speaking to you. And showing you what to pray for. Amen. A classic example is that in Luke the 22nd chapter. Verses 31 and 32. You know this incident. You know Peter is all all really primed up. He's saying Jesus. Nobody's going to touch you. I'm going to stay faithful to you. Now Jesus is talking about going to the cross. And being crucified. And Peter says nobody's going to touch you. I'm going to stay faithful to you Lord Jesus. And uh, Jesus replies in Luke 22, 31 and 32. He says Peter, Peter. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are restored, strengthen your brethren. 
You know, Peter's all primed, you know, all excited in the natural, saying, God, I'm going to stand strong. I'm God's man of faith and power. I can never deny my Lord. I'm going to stand with him, even if everybody else quits. I'm going to stand. But Jesus is seeing something in the spirit. He sees that Satan has an assignment against Peter. And, but he says, you know, I have prayed. I've seen, I have prayed. That's prophetic intercession. May God shows you what is happening in the realm of the spirit. And you're able to pray and then counteract it. You're able to pray and do what is necessary through prayer. Because God has showed you something that you need to pray about. Now think about Abraham in Genesis. And I think it's the 18th chapter. Where you know God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's about to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, he says, should I hide from Abraham the thing? That I'm about to do. He says, you know, I'm about to do something, but should I hide it from Abraham? No, 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 no. Let me reveal it. Let me tell Abraham what I'm about to do. So God says, Abraham, listen. I'm about to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because the sin of the city has come up to me. And then Abraham steps in to his role of a prophetic intercessor. He says, God, will you, the righteous judge of all the earth, would you destroy the good with the bad? God says, no, I won't do that. So he says, God, you know, if there are 50 righteous people, can you spare that city? God says, sure. Then Abraham says, wait a minute, I'm not sure if there are 50 people. So let me reduce it a bit. God, if there are 45 people, will you save that city? God says, sure. And he kind of negotiates, so to speak, with God, all the way down to about two people. He says, God, even if there are just two righteous people, please spare that city. That's prophetic intercession. God is showing you something, and you begin to pray. Amen. Would you like us to do that kind of prayer? Amen? Nobody seems, I mean, I was excited this morning. What's happening? All right. That's prophetic intercession where you begin to pray based on what God is saying. God may speak to you in a dream and say, you wake up in the morning. Wow, I had a dream. What do you do with that dream? You don't sit down and say, God, thank you for that entertainment while I was asleep. No. That's a dream for you to do something. Maybe you need to pray. Because God is showing you in advance something he wants you to get involved in and pray about. Amen? The third area where the prophetic can really matter to us is in the area of prophetic worship. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, we can, let's read it, and verse 5. You know, in the prophetic, music, worship, is such an important part. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5, Samuel says this, he says, After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place, with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. So I'm just picking one scripture, and like this you'll find many scriptures in the Old Testament, that show to us that music, worship, and the prophetic flow together. In the Old Testament, there were these schools of the prophets, where there were a community of prophets, and it says, Samuel is saying, you know, when you meet these prophets, here's what you'll find. You'll find them having this harp. You'll find them having some instruments, and they will be prophesying. So they will be singing their prophecies. So prophetic worship is another area where the word of the Lord is so important. Now, we sing songs that have already been written and set to music, and that's great. Many of them are prophetic. They were birthed by inspiration. But as we are singing and worshipping God, many times God likes to release a fresh song. The Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. So what is that new song? It's a song that God releases, that God births at that moment by his Holy Spirit. So the worship leader might suddenly go on 
and start singing a line or two that are not on the screens. And you say, like, wonder where did he get that from? Well, it's coming from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is prompting him to release a song, a word in song. It's inspired by the Spirit. And he sings a line. He might sing two lines. And he begins to sing a song. And then we as a congregation must understand that is a prophetic song. It's an inspired song coming from the Holy Spirit. And we must join in with him to sing that new song to the Lord. Amen? So, well, I must practice it. I must hear it first on CD. I must first see it DVD. Only then I can say, come on. This is a new song that God is releasing. At that moment, for that situation, you're releasing a new song to the Lord. The worship leader is coming out, singing it. And you and I need to just go in with the flow. Because that is as powerful as just speaking a prophetic word. That prophetic song can tear down, pull down, destroy, and build, and plant. It's the same prophetic word. It's just coming out in song and music. Amen? Think about prophetic deliverance. You know, Saul was troubled by demons. And David comes by and he doesn't say, come out of him, you devil. No, he doesn't do that. He takes his harp and he plays. And the devil, those demons that are troubling Saul, leave. That's prophetic music deliverance. Amen. He's just playing on his instrument and somebody is being delivered from demonic powers. Do you believe God can do such things today? No, it's, it's just that you and I have not explored, into, we have not ventured into that territory. It's always there. It's in the Bible. It's, it's what the Spirit of God does. But you and I, we, we have not ventured into that. But we are saying, God, take us there. We want to move into those realms in the Spirit of prophetic worship. What's the power of prophetic worship? Psalm 149. If you turn with me to Psalm 149, verse 5 onwards, it says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment, dishonor of all the saints. So the Bible says, let, you know, sing aloud on your bed. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth. High praises of God, praises that really exalt God, that are birth of the Spirit. He says, let them be in your mouth. And then it moves into something that, that, that looks very natural, but really is a spiritual thing. Because he says, let the high praise of God be in the mouth and a two-edged sword in the hand. That doesn't mean that every believer is supposed to walk around with a sword in the hand and catch governors and chief ministers and put them in chains. You can't do that. So what's he talking about? He's talking about this is what you become when the high praises of God is in your mouth. In the realm of the spirit. You become like this. You become like a man or a woman who's got a sword in their hand. Who are now executing the written judgment on the enemies of God in the realm of the spirit. That's what you become when the high praises of God are in your mouth. You're listening to me. Our world, when we hear and speak what God is saying. Amen. Are you ready to journey into the prophetic? We've got to move into that direction. To help us in that, we've arranged for our first week in school of prophetic ministry. So March 20th and 21st is the first time we're trying something like this. We've not done this before. But we want to have only about 60 people, which is limited in number. About 60 people that weekend, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the prophetic. You know, we've just got a little taste of it. This is like, you know, a Maybe less than a tenth of what we're going to cover in that school. We'll talk about the prophetic realm. We'll talk about the ministry, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the word, the prophetic word, prophetic intercession, prophetic power and song. 
We'll talk about the gift of prophecy, how to hear from the Spirit, how do you test and interpret prophecies, how do you interpret dreams, how do you minister prophetically, and, and a whole lot more about the prophetic ministry. So in those two days, in about 20 hours, we're going to have an intense equipping, an activation in the prophetic. That's going to be on the March 20th and 21st. It's, uh, we're limiting it only about 60 people, right? And the registration fee is about 300 rupees. If you can't afford it, we can waive it, right? In case you're in a situation where you want to come, but you can't afford We'll go ahead and wave it. But if you can't afford, please pay. Right? It only covers part of the expenses. So that's cool. But we really want to train. And if this goes well, if we, people are really uh, ministered to in that weekend school, then we'll continue to do it. And, and we'll have it again. So we can equip more people. And eventually, we'd like to have the whole church equipped in the prophetic. And thereafter, we, you know, we'll introduce um, several other things that will help take the church to where God wants it to go. Amen? So this morning, right after service, there are about... Uh, I think about 40 registration forms available outside, about that number. If you would like to come for that weekend school, March 20th and 21st, and register today itself, so we can uh, prepare and prepare to take people in into that realm. Why don't we stand up to our feet? And as you're standing here this morning, I just want to pray a simple prayer for yourself and say, God, open my ears to hear. I want to be a sheep that can hear your voice. Yes, God speaks to us. Thank you. Yes, God speaks to us through the written scriptures. That's the primary way he speaks. But how about the decisions you need to make? How about the challenges? How about ministering to somebody through the gift of prophecy? We need to be sheep that can hear his voice. We can be trained in that. This morning, would you pray for yourself and say, God, I want to be somebody who can hear very clearly from you. Who can hear what you are saying and you are speaking in the now. I want to be prophetic, God. I want you to pray, take a few moments just to pray for the church and say, God, make us a prophetic church. Make us a church, a community of people, of believers who can hear what the Spirit is saying. Maybe not be a deaf church, a church that can't hear. Maybe not live on something that was spoken in history, but maybe move according to what God is saying in the now. What is the Spirit saying? Maybe hear that, maybe move according to that. Oh God, we just want to be a people who will hear from you. Father, we pray for a release of dreams and visions. The voice, the inner voice of the Spirit will become louder and clearer for all of us. And we can be truly led by the Spirit of God because we are the sons of God. Make us a prophetic church, Father. Make us a body of people who will just be so yielded to the Spirit that we can hear from heaven and move according to what the Spirit of God is saying. Transform us. Make us a people we hear from God. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.